The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Well, hey, Patria, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Patrick. Thanks. Oh, how were your holidays? The holidays were low-key. I think the way it's been for <laughs> most people, Any not being person. able to see enough family or enough friends mm-hmm. uh, or pretty much no one, but uh, definitely made the most of the nice, chill holiday time to get some good fat bike riding in mm. in the sand because it was raining. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's New England and we got rain. Oh. But the it, it, it's it's okay. We actually had a lot of cold temperatures too. So either it was raining and warm enough. <laughs> is, this is making you a Californian. <laughs> it's raining, but it was cold, so it was okay. <laughs> right. I should I should say when it was raining, it was warm enough to be comfortable, and then the rain and trails froze, and then the trails were perfectly rideable. <laughs> when they were frozen. So as long as the appropriate activity was chosen, all was all was well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think my perspective has uh, devolved some. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as you're already aware, uh, I actually took a break for two weeks at the holidays. Didn't write about cycling at all. Oh my goodness. And I, yeah, no, I mean, like I write about cycling so much. It is such, such a big piece of who I am and what I do. I don't know the last time I took two weeks and didn't write about cycling. It might've been like 2007, 2008, something like that. Yeah. So Uh, what was that like? Are you having withdrawal symptoms? No, it was a really good recharge. I took the time to finish a novel that I've been working on and I did actually finish the novel. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of editing to do whatnot. And I have uh, two friends who are reading and they're pointing stuff out to me. Uh, so there's, there's still some revision in the works, but uh, I'm at the point where I'm sending it out to agents and uh, that's Congratulations. And It's huge. It It is. It really is. I'm very excited. And so now I can get back to the other two novels I'm working on. <coughs> wow. How do you do that without like crossing plots over? Uh, I have ADD. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can manage this in all your characters in the right places. I, um. Yeah. No, I haven't transposed any characters. Uh, that would be hilarious. Um. I, it's just something about how my brain works. When I hit, uh, when I hit something, uh, I get stuck at a plot point on one. I move back to one of the others 
and whatever I was previously stuck on there is suddenly miraculously solved. And I write my way through that until I hit something and then I switch to another. Um, but I really committed to myself. I want to finish this one. And I hit a couple difficult points and wrote my way right through them. I just couldn't even believe how, how well I did that in the moment. So anyway, I had, I had two weeks to do something else. Uh, didn't actually write, oh, uh, I didn't actually ride a whole lot during that time. It was, uh, it was mentally taxing to the point that it was kind of physically taxing as well. Uh, it, a surprise there. Um, and, uh, yeah, had my, had my ex over on Christmas day and the boys got lots and lots of presents. And fortunately the Xbox one that we, uh, well that I got for them, um, uh, it has headphones (laughs) (laughs) and so I don't hear all the machine gun fire and booming and, you know, the swords being whacked into monsters and, uh, I don't know why that never occurred to me before. Sounds like you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, you know, nice holidays, uh, a, a very nice time. But yeah, it's weird to pass through a holiday, uh, you know, a holiday season. Like I didn't go to a single party. Right. Right. That's weird. It's very weird. Um, I, and, you know, honestly, Right now, I am probably more grateful for Facebook than I ever have been in my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a Not way a of connecting thing. with people. And more mm-hmm. people are going there to connect for the same reason you're there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a tool, uh, you know, just like a hammer. You can build a house or you can beat your neighbor to death. It's up to you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look at <laughs> hammers in a different way, but you're right. <laughs> same well, thing. Absolutely. Same thing with social media. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it was nice. Well, what do you say we do a show? Um, <laughs> uh, what's your pull this week? Well, welcome to 2021, where the pandemic is still happening. So having goals for writing will continue to be very important to get through the first half of this year. Luckily, mm-hmm. we've left 2020 in the past, but We're still not going to see the return of group rides or organized events before probably June is the way I'm seeing it right now. So an upcoming virtual challenge that has caught my attention is the Fat Pursuit, organized by legendary bikepacker and winter riding champion Jay Peterberry. If you haven't heard about Jay, Google him. He's got a very long resume, including racing the Iditarod many, many times. Yeah. So he right now is hosting this challenge um, and I'm finding it very tempting. And I'm currently doing some soul searching about potentially participating. The Fat Pursuit is a challenge to bike, walk or ski 60 kilometers or 200 kilometers in one continuous session. With the route being your choice, so it could be either, say, laps at a local ski area or a grand adventure in the backcountry. Now, Mm. 80% of the route or more needs to be on snow. Mm. And you're welcome to camp or rest along the way, but the continuous nature of it means you don't go home and sleep at night and then start again the next day. (laughs) 
<coughs> now, this challenge begins on January 8th and wraps up on January 31st. In previous years, it's been an in-person challenge, and he's even currently hosting a, a camp to help people get to know their equipment, learn how to boil water, those sorts of things. Uh, but I believe that's maxed at, uh, capped at 10 people because of COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. So now this this offers it to be a virtual challenge to everyone. So this is a, a way of getting involved with with winter riding and and definitely a stretch goal. So part of what makes this challenge interesting to me is that it's the opportunity to try out new things, to push yourself a little or a lot. A 60 kilometer ride on the snow, well, 60 kilometers translates to 37.3 miles, which may not sound like a lot, but it's not <laughs> easy to average something like five to seven miles per hour on snow using a fat bike, uh, depending on the elevation and the freshness and condition of the snow. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So a 60 kilometer ride, including stops, is likely a 10 plus hour day. Oh, so it's, it, that's a long ways. And that's only the 60 kilometer challenge. <laughs> right. So, and then there's also a 200 kilometer challenge. And in the past, in the in-person event, there have been 200 mile finishers. Oh, so there there's <sighs> all levels of cyclists who are getting involved in this. Now, a requirement for the riders doing the 200 kilometer version of the ride is that they need to be able to boil water. It's not possible to carry all the water one needs for, say, 20 to 30 hours of total time outside. Now, melting snow to be drinkable is helpful in getting needed hydration. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I, my opinion, everybody who's doing a 60 kilometer or 200 kilometer version of this should take on this challenge. Many people are going to be likely to use a jet boil system for heating water. It's possibly something you already own. But you want to test it out. You want to see how easy it is to manage if you have to set the system on a pile of snow and you aren't able to take your hands out of your big gloves. Are you going to be able to twist the things that need to be twisted and put the things that need to be put somewhere in order to get it going? If it needs a match to light up, you want to have waterproof matches so that you know that that match is going to work. Um, and then, uh, so something to consider, uh, that it might not sound like a big deal is weight. Whenever you're bikepacking or doing this sort of a challenge, weight does end up being a thing and it, it, it matters to a certain extent. A jet boil system weighs about 347 grams total. So that doesn't seem like all that much. It's not. It's not a lot. The problem is if you're doing the 200 kilometer version and you're planning mm-hmm. on sleeping. Now you have all of your sleeping gear. You have other layers of clothes that you're trying to carry with you. All of these small grams add up to pounds. If you've mm-hmm. got any kind of elevation to manage on the ride, that really adds up. It's going to take its toll on on your body. And not to forget that it's cold. Your body has a harder time moving when it's cold. Just Mm -hmm. in general, Mm -hmm. everything is harder. Uh, Everything takes more energy. So a system I've used in bikepacking, and uh, I will be testing it out for the winter and in a snowy environment 
but I expect it to work very well based on my experiences bikepacking is called the Utility Flame. This is a 37 gram gel pack that burns hot for about 15 to 20 minutes. So that mm. means it will melt enough snow to keep you hydrated. It, it takes a lot of snow, though, to make enough water. So right. you need to have that snow ready to go to stick it into your your cup or whatever it is that you're going to be or your pot. Um, so it's also nice, though, like as you're creating a route to run past, say, a stream, some uh, some body of water that you know is going to be flowing that you could take mm -hmm. water out of. Now, there's some challenges with that, because if you're trying to go get water, you may end up stepping on ice that could break away underneath you. You've got to be really careful about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So think about how are you going to get that water? Are you going to be next to it or do you need to have a pole or something that allows you to dip something into water that's further away from you? Now, the gel, going back to the utility flame system, it needs to be in a small aluminum cup, which could be as simple as cutting away the bottom of a Coke uh, soda can. Uh -huh. <laughs> These are easy to purchase, though, where it doesn't have sharp edges. They're very light. And you'd also like to have a windscreen. These are also very lightweight aluminum because you want to put that around the flame to contain mm -hmm. the heat and not let the air blow or the wind blow away the heat uh -huh. and that also gives you a nice stand to place the pot on something i like about this system is there are very few moving pieces so it's just less to go wrong like i've had a, a jet boil type system that got clogged so it just wouldn't oh, turn gosh. on because there was a clog in it and it wasn't necessarily jet boil i shouldn't say it was jet boil it was a similar type of system mm -hmm. so the fewer moving parts, the simpler. And then you can have quite a few of the gel packs. Like, who knows? Does something go wrong? Maybe you need more. But that's it's light, easy to use. Easy to get the heat that you need. Uh-huh. Now, how you keep or I, I should also mention that whole system with the gel packs is 85 grams total. That includes the windscreen and the little aluminum container to put the gel in. So hmm. it's 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 something to consider again as everything starts to add up weight wise. Now, how you keep your water from freezing is another challenge. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Like you right. you melt all this snow. Now mm -hmm. you've got this water. It's still whatever twenty five degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now what? You still need to manage it. Um. Something I like to use, um, it's unfortunately no longer made. There was a backpack made by Revelate, and I can't find it now, but a camelback, just a, a, a very lean camelback or some kind of backpack that you can mm -hmm. put a hydration pack in mm -hmm. will work great because that you can put underneath your jacket. So that keeps it warm. And then mm -hmm. you run the hose under your jacket. Mm -hmm. And then you just have it so that you take it out, you drink from it. And then before putting it back, you want to blow into it. That gets the water out of the tube. So that keeps it. You have it's like the more water you have together, the better off. You're less likely to have have it freeze. It's when the water is in the hose, it's going to freeze more quickly. It's just oh. like in your water mm -hmm. bottle. Sure. You, yep. The water. The, the frozen the, nozzle. Oh, yes. God. 
Right, right. And that's a major <laughs> problem. Your nozzle freezes and then the rest of your water, you know, it's liquid, but you can't get to it. So <laughs> yep. that the, the backpack system has worked really well for me. Um, and that's something that I definitely plan to employ for for this challenge. If I choose to to take <laughs> it on, which we're still deciding on that. <laughs> now, something I've been testing is a um, neoprene sleeve. It's it's made by Barmet that goes over uh, the bottle cage. So it goes over your bottle, but it has a zipper. And I've been finding it's difficult for me to deal with a zipper mm-hmm. with gloves. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just work to get out the water. So I'm not drinking very much when I use this. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I don't think it's that useful. Unfortunately, I think there's probably some variation on the theme that could work is it does seem to keep my water from freezing when other people I've been riding with have had their bottles freeze. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're not going to drink your water, it doesn't really matter if it's liquid or not. You're not <laughs> drinking your water. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, there's other systems going to the whole challenge that you need to test to get right to complete the challenge. Now, these include lighting systems because everyone is likely going to be in darkness, either at the beginning of the challenge or at the end. Right. Or throughout, depending if you're trying to do something crazy like 200 miles. Um, Moisture management. Um, Jay Peterberry is offering a webinar to participants, people who register for the Fat Pursuit, to discuss this topic. He Mm. has a very helpful YouTube out there where he's talking about what he wears also moisture management is really important because you can't be cold for the number of hours you're going to be outside you just cannot ride cold so that means you're going to be warm and that means you're going to sweat so you will have sweat accumulating and you don't want that sweat to make you cold so you need to have proper fabrics proper base layers jackets with breathability but also Jackets and pants that protect you from the environment. Could be mm-hmm. raining, could be snowing. Uh, so or just a, windy. Yes. And it could be just really windy. Exactly. So what do you have on you in order to protect you against these things? Now, Jay recommends testing out your boots and knee down articles of clothing to see how good they are at water crossing. So that's another one of his challenges is to incorporate a water crossing in your route because you need to be able to get across a body of water and not be wet on the other side or cold. You have to be able to keep going again for hours. So on a, on a short group ride, oh, you have to cross a stream. You get a little wet. No big deal. It is a big deal if you're out there for eight to 10 hours. <laughs> so that's something else to think about. Uh, something I really like are waterproof socks. I've found yes. that those are very helpful in keeping one psychologically. I feel safer having waterproof socks and they actually do help keep you protected from from the water and the cold of water. And of course, you're going to be sweating. You will have your socks will be wet on the inside from sweat, but that's OK because you're going to be warm. You'll be wet on the on your base layer. You're inside your jacket again that's okay because you're going to be warm but you have to be able to manage that and having jackets with pit zips pants with uh, zippers along the side to allow air to come in to cool Mm -hmm. you off so that you can breathe 
those are all really important features to have on your clothes. So there's a lot of great information out there, but also just testing your stuff out is really handy. Now, if you decide you're going to camp out, you'll need to sure you have a, have a proper bivy sack, a crash pad, like just all the sleeping gear and for sub zero temperatures, which also probably means you're bringing an extra jacket, something that's dry and really warm to change into at the end of the day, because you're going to need that. You're going to need to be able to get out of the clothes that you've been in that are wet again from sweat and anything else that you've encountered during the day. Now, if this isn't your cup of tea, try to find or create a challenge for yourself for January to get you moving into this new year. Right. It doesn't have to be anything more than committing to yourself to get on the trainer every day for, say, two weeks. Just to form a habit or something else that stretches you and helps you get back into riding for this coming year. What do you think? Uh, now, are you thinking a 60 kilometer snowy ride would be great? So now you need to go to another state where it's not raining and find some snow. Mm, um, I've had many thoughts as you've been uh, sharing all this. And I'm sure you have. I, 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 that's not actually one of them. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, you know, it gets me to thinking about, I, I haven't done a lot of truly winter camping, like setting up a tent on top of snow. Mm -hmm. I've only done that a handful of times over the years. And fortunately I haven't, I haven't set up a tent on snow since the Clinton administration. Um, <laughs> oh, this is going back a little while. Yes. Yeah. But like, I remember all these things that we did with winter camping. I remember somebody telling me you got to stir the snow, otherwise it will burn. Uh, as you're, as you're melting it, you got to stir really? it. Okay. Um, I never actually burned the snow, so I don't really know if that was what was going to happen, but <laughs> I was, I was, when that was said to me, it was said with a perfectly straight, serious <laughs> face. And it was said by more than one person in completely different <laughs> circumstances. It's what like, happens when your brain freezes? <laughs> I don't know. But like one of the things I do remember now, you know, I had a, a big um, expedition sized backpack uh, that I was carrying everything in. And one of the things that I do remember is like, you know, having a complete warm, dry change of clothes for sleeping Mm -hmm. And then I would take uh, my base layer and my fleece and I would leave them out so that they would freeze overnight. And in the morning you brushed all the ice off, stuck them in your sleeping bag for a little while. So they warmed up and you were able to put on uh, stuff for, you know, whatever hiking or whatever you were doing during the day, you could put something that was dry back on. Um <laughs> It doesn't sound like you can carry nearly, nearly as much clothing as I was carrying. So how, you know, once you've got stuff that is damp, uh, if not actually wet, how do you, how do you deal with getting it dry again? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I like your method. I mean, it, doesn't it wasn't mine. It was, I was taught, I was taught by much smarter people. People on the order of experience like J. Peter Vary, you know, yeah. garden variety badass. Sure, sure. Well, there's always the, if hopefully you can make a fire. If you can make a fire, then you can dry your things next to the fire. And then, of course, have the heat of a fire. Yeah. 
that's it's never a given though that you're going to be able to make a fire. I mean, <laughs> and around here it yeah. rains and then snows on top of the rain, so any dead wood around would be too wet probably <laughs> to light up. So, yeah, who who knows? Who knows? This is part of this is part of the testing and seeing seeing what works. And yes, overpacking, taking an extra pair of clothes, like why not? It's <laughs> it's a good idea to stay comfortable and learn something and not, not be miserable. Yeah. I, I I mean, truly what you're talking about, I just, I see loads of logistics and I see a real need to do some test rides prior to this endeavor. Uh, Again, like going back to the water crossing. um, I wouldn't want the first time I do that uh, to be during the 60 kilometer ride. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I, when it comes to waterproof socks, whose do you like? Good question. I've used seal skins have <laughs> been have been good. And I've found some others that I couldn't even tell you the brand name that I just found on the Internet that have <laughs> been thick and knee high. The, to me, the most important thing is that they're tall. Because when I've had to employ waterproof socks, it's sometimes been on bikepacking trips where there is a river crossing (laughs) and the water almost comes up to my knees. So because the socks are tall enough, everything's absolutely fine. So, yeah, Seal Skins is the the brand name that I would go for if if you're looking for something. Um, Thick ones are great as long as you have enough room in your boots for the thickness of the socks. Yeah, because with thicker socks, if you end up cutting down your circulation, having too many things in your boots, now your feet are going to get cold from lack of circulation. So that's something to consider. And really, the the right answer there is get a bigger pair of boots if if your shoes or boots don't allow for for the bigger socks, Uh, because that thickness is important. And if you're not using waterproof socks, also, I really like the 45 North wool socks. They're cozy. They just feel good when you put them on. And I have fallen in water. In fact, I should send a picture uh, on, a, on a group ride, uh, completely submerged. My feet were completely soaked and they didn't get cold. And I get cold feet really easily. I have notes in both my oh. fingers and my toes. So I and I was fine. And that's wow. that's pretty important. And that's that's where I, I take winter cycling and warmth really seriously because i have rhinoids and when my fingers and toes act up it's i just can't joke around about it it's like this cannot happen i can't let it happen Mm. wow uh normally this time of year i would be thinking about the first grasshopper of the season coming Mm. which has come as early as mid-january uh we're not you know there are no grasshoppers scheduled as of yet rather understandably but i mean i'm thinking about that and it's like yeah i am you know in terms of fitness not remotely ready but also just in terms of like going and playing in the cold and wet i'm really not quite up for that just yet but i remember one year uh the uh there's a a a river crossing that we have to do uh creek austin creek uh, that we cross about halfway through the event. Um, this was old Kaz, um, which was traditionally the first one of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would be in thermal bibs, uh, embrocation, and then sealskins waterproof socks. 
Uh, and yeah, they came up, you know, the ones I have, I've got two or three different pairs from them, but they all come up over the calf. Um, <laughs> and they've got that silicone gripper like you have in a Jersey, uh, around the cuff. And I was thigh deep in rushing water and almost to the opposite bank. You know, we're talking a good, it was probably a good 60 feet across. And I was almost to the opposite bank before finally the water started making it inside the sock uh, past that, that barrier. Oh no. That's Uh, a horrible feeling when the water reaches in. There was that little, uh, (laughs) you suck your breath in. (laughs) Uh, But the nice thing is because it's a pretty closed system, the water in there did warm up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That means a Um, lot. It's it's not that important if you're wet and warm. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're going to get trench foot from that short red. Right. Well, five hours, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) they were, they were awfully white and awfully wrinkly at the end, but you know, (laughs) I recovered. Uh, For those who haven't tried the seal skins before, I mean, they are, to, to be clear about this, they are thick enough that you're going to go up probably one full shoe size to have the sort of wiggle room that you need. And this comes back to, you know, one of your previous points about it's a good idea to have a pair of cycling shoes, you know, or boots just for the winter, yep. you know, dedicated so that you've got that extra capacity. Cause even, you know, like the, the thickest ice socks I have from Pearl Izumi, uh, those, you know, in a normal snug fitting cycling shoe. No, that's not, that's not a thing. Right. Um, so yeah, having one pair of shoes, I get that that's a real expense, but, uh, that kind of comfort makes a big, big difference. Um, it, I hate, I have really hated those times when my, there's not enough room in right. the shoe for the thick sock and, that compression ends up making my foot cold. Right. Circulation is really important. Being able to have your blood in your toes. Yeah. Is key. Yeah. It's handy to have it down there. (laughs) And boots also, while we're talking about boots is they feel heavy when you feel them on the shelf. Like when you put them in your hand, there will be that heavy. Oh, I don't think I can ride with this because it's a lot heavier (laughs) than your carbon road shoe. Stick it on your feet and start riding the weight of that boot will just disappear. It's not going to be a consideration at all. You're not going to notice it. I think one of the things that really helps with that is, you know, once you're riding at a different pace and you're not making, you know, you think about all the demands of like a traditional group ride, the surges, the super hard efforts, you know, so much of that just goes right out the window. And the, the nature of the riding is so different that yeah. uh, Wearing heavier gear, for me anyway, it really, it, it doesn't bother me. I want to be comfortable. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. That Oof. is the most important thing. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders 
and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on Support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for my poll. I am going to begin by saying that I'm not a big believer in New Year's resolutions. There, I've said it. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not. Oh, no. What are we going to do? <laughs> no goals for the year. Uh, well, hang on. I, I, oh. I have a whole poll yet to go. <laughs> it's not that I don't believe in making changes to one's life when called for. Okay. I'm all for that. As I've shared plenty on the show, I am dedicated to doing personal growth work. What I don't much dig is waiting around to make those changes. So when I feel the need to make a change in my life, I generally just get started as soon as I can. Given what a present tense pursuit that cycling is, I think we all appreciate the notion of there's no time like the present. But all that said... I do think there's a justification for the New Year's resolution, one that I've lived more thoroughly this year than I have in decades. <laughs> for a great many of us, that run from Thanksgiving to New Year's is a time of, let's call it increased calories and perhaps reduced activity. That was certainly true for me this year. True for many. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I've shared on social media, I just finished writing my first novel. Uh, and took the last two weeks of the year to finish it up. And I mean, I wrote 20,000 words in that period of time, uh, which was sort of amazing even to me. Um, my writing fell off as my concentration <laughs> rose and my intake of sweets <laughs> also, uh, and, and some other things like maybe alcohol uh, rose. Uh, I was given a homemade key lime pie for my birthday in December. And that was awesome. Wow. That sounds really good. It was incredible. It was the best key lime pie I have had in years and years. It was so good, but my boys didn't want any of it, which was yay. And boo all, all the, as my now 11 year old said, when he was three, all the same together. (laughs) (laughs) Words of the wise. Oh my goodness. So they didn't want any of it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't allow any of that pie to go to waste, right? It was you homemade. Cannot. That would have been disrespectful. <laughs> so in a period of eight days, <laughs> I did finish it. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Um, thank you. Thank you. And um, it sounds like you deserved that pie. Uh, well, I don't know about deserve, but I certainly put it to good use. <laughs> What I'm alluding to here in my story is that a lot of us kind of coast for those five weeks uh, between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And when the first of the year rolls around, it's not uncommon to conclude that maybe it's time to get serious about writing and diet once again. So I'm actually setting my first New Year's resolution for myself, and I can't recall when, uh, some years. Uh, That said, I want to feel like I'm being successful at it 
So I'm going to allow myself some wiggle room. Through the remainder of the monsoon season here in Northern California, I resolve to ride a minimum of eight hours a week. Once monsoon season ends, probably in March, I plan to get myself back to 10 hours per week. I'm not setting any requirements on intensity or road versus mountain or anything like that. I also have an additional reason to set that goal in that previously I've found that 10 hours per week seems to be a significant threshold in terms of my mental well-being. Sure, my body feels great from doing that kind of mileage, uh, but my brain just happens to be a little better settled, better centered. And I can't help but wonder if like, there's some sort of inflection point at which serotonin output jumps or something. Um, cause it's, huh. the, it's that afterglow feeling of yep. having done all those miles, you know, you've got more of that through the day. And of course you've got it more days of the week. Uh, right. so that's something I've, I've determined, you know, I really need to do that for myself. Um, you know, now, <laughs> that's my resolution. I know you can't resolve for more snow to fall. Oh, but I am I curious. <laughs> <laughs> you know I would. <laughs> Is there anything you're planning to tweak for yourself this year? I I am trying to ride more. Like mm-hmm. I've mentioned in previous episodes, it's really hard for me to find time to ride a bike. And uh, so far since New Year's Eve, I've gotten on the bike every single day, be it either on the trainer or on the road or, you know, on the fat bike, on trails, just for some period of time. So for me, it's all a matter of adding more rides to my week, Mm -hmm. not necessarily Mm -hmm. big, huge. And that tends to be a trap I fall into is that I like every ride I go on to be some humongous day. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and and I'm I'm really coming to terms with enjoying the shorter rides with the fat bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's just taken me to a, a a good place where a five mile ride is all I really need. It, mm-hmm. It's it's done physically what I need it to do, and to what you're saying about psychological well being and just feeling good and that glow and all that sort of thing. Really, as long as I get an hour, that's that's all I need in a day. And then there are some days when there's more time to do bigger mileage, but I want to be more consistent and just get more rides in. And then really, it just falls out from there. Once you've gotten ready, you've gotten yourself on the bike. Now you can do an hour or two hours if time allows. It's more a matter of having the equipment ready to go, the clothes already washed and ready to go. It's it's a lot of that stuff that surrounds the cycling that that I'm trying to put more emphasis on at this Mm -hmm. point and then maybe adding in some challenges like the fat bike pursuit and and seeing what else is going on out there just getting to new some new places Um, i got in Mm -hmm. some cool mountain bike rides over the holidays just in places i haven't been before i'm like this is this is really cool it doesn't take that much to get out of the house drive for 30 to 40 minutes it's just be in a completely new place so so, yeah, and all of that, just like new, new riding, just more of it. And then naturally that will involve more people, new, new things. And, and just, just, a, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, how I can ride my bike for this many years and still be discovering new things every single day on the bike. 
<laughs> that's great. And I want, I just want more of that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really nice. Um, you know, one of the things that I've actually in the rides that I've been doing lately, uh, down in, in deep redwood forest, uh, this one spot mm-hmm. that I, I ride out in West County, I've been slowing down. I've, <laughs> I've been taking time to stop and look at things. Uh, I was at the very bottom of this holler the other day and I mean, it's, it's, it's deep with steep walls and a bunch of towering redwoods. Uh, they're reasonably large because it's kind of inconvenient to get down there. And mm. so they haven't been cut in a very long time. Uh, so there are, there are trees down there that are, you know, three, sometimes four feet in diameter and wow. really just blots out the sky. And <laughs> I, I pulled over and got off and just went and sat down and enjoyed myself. Uh, that's probably that's not doing a whole lot for my aerobic fitness, but you know, it was nice just to soak it in. Yes. That sounds really nice. And, and it, slowing it down can also help speed you up when it's time to go faster and when it's time for the group rides to come back and all that stuff. But yeah. this is a time for rejuvenation, for introspection. Just, yeah, this is great time. So to take it and do that, that's great. It was really lovely. And I'm, I'm certainly going to do more of that. As a matter of fact, there are so many weird mushrooms growing, uh, down in that area. Uh, well, all through the forest. Uh, I actually bought a field guide to, to, uh, to mushrooms, uh, that grow in Northern California, just cause I want to know what they are. I'm not somebody who's going to like pick them and cook them. Yeah. Be careful about that. (laughs) Well, yes, there's that. Uh, cause like, you know, there's, there's death's cap and gallerina around here, which can very much kill you. <laughs> but I'm kind of curious about the bolites and the chanterelles that all my friends are raving about. Um, <laughs> you know, and I just, I'd like to know what it is I'm seeing. Um, and there's some stuff that's more than just garden variety, pretty, it's really kind of curious. Um, and you know, it's like, there aren't that many different species of tree that yeah. I, you know, we've got a lot of tan oaks and a lot of redwoods. There's mm-hmm. not much else. And all the ferns kind of look alike. But every time I see a, a mushroom, it looks different than the last one. So it's like, wow, what's that? Oh, that's um, really neat. It is. Uh, and, you know, I mean, like, there are some colors coming out of the ground that like, wait, how do you get that kind of orange? <laughs> wow. So, well, you're yeah. going to need to take some photos as well when you're out there mushroom hunting to share with the rest of us. Is that well, something I, did, I don't even I think do about saying job a of it. Yeah, uh, I did take pictures, but uh, when I went to look at them and compare them to the guidebook, you know, they were shaky and blurry because my, you know, <laughs> holding the phone with a gloved hand that didn't go so well. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have high expectations for your future rides. Uh, you know, I, I'm ready to see what turns up. It's it's just really interesting. Um, and yes, it would be kind of handy to know what the death's cap and the gallerina look like. Uh so that I, I know not to pick them when I'm not picking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. It just, I mean, it's it, genuinely, it's kind of interesting to be able to look down and go, oh, that would kill me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, nature is powerful in so many ways. And yeah. that is an interesting way of seeing it. Like this little benign looking thing. Yeah. Could take yeah. your life. Yeah. In the um, meantime, you can enjoy looking at it. 
Yeah, much like the little bitty snake that I saw coiled around a rake when I was in Costa Rica. Huh. Uh, what 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 is now the year before last? Um, that was a very deadly fair to lance, and the the landscapers were like, "Look at this!" But they spoke Spanish, and they weren't telling me, "Oh, this is a very deadly snake." But because I was into snakes when I was younger, I looked at the the pattern on it. And I was like, "Is that a fair to lance?" It it looked familiar, and then I I went to the Googles as you do. <laughs> And, and looked it up in that very first photo that popped up. I was like, oh, my gosh, I just saw a fair to Lance. Wow. Yeah. Most yeah. people wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then on top of that, one of the things about poisonous snakes is you really don't want to lock horns with a baby because the babies don't have the control <laughs> that the older snakes do. Once they're more mature, they they don't want to deplete all of their venom in a single strike. But the babies just go for it. So frequently oh. the babies are much more deadly than the, than the bigger snakes. I've always heard that babies are more deadly and I never understood why. They so give you everything understand. they've got, you know, uh-huh. it's, it, you know, think about, well, you're, you've not been a parent, but you know, when a child pukes, it's all gone in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is same concept. Huh? Okay. This is, all, sort, <laughs> just, sort of. I've learned so much today. <laughs> In ways I never thought possible. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe this would be a good occasion to move on to the baseline picks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have a theme for this week. Uh, I uh, mentioned going to riding beaches, and this happened to be Christmas Day here in New England. It was a rainy day. Mm. And I wore my new 45 North Notvin pants. These pants are new construction this year than previous generation not wind pants. So these are, are lighter um, fabric. They do really well at cutting the wind and being a wind stopping layer. And I found out that they are now 45 North won't call them waterproof, but I did not get wet and it was raining like crazy the whole time outside for almost two hours in the rain not stopping i was dry under those pants so i i thought they were wonderful i like them because of the light construction now that allows me to wear the heavier winter tights when it's a cold day underneath and if it's not that cold of a day and just really windy and cold and raw I can wear shorts or shorts and knee warmers. So there's a lot of flexibility there that they allow. And mm. they have some side side uh, vents. So it's easy to let the fresh air in. Uh, they've got pockets. Uh, and a special feature that I like over their last generation pants is their uh, waistband has Velcro on it to tighten it up like a belt. And since it's Velcro, it stays. In previous mm-hmm. versions, it was a hook. And I have a problem with the hook just coming undone. Um, and then and being a woman wearing these pants, they call them unisex. But really, they're they're more made for, for men. So, uh, yeah, the, that Velcro helps keep the pants in place. And they're they're really comfortable. So I, I thought that was a really neat, neat way of learning about those pants and i am happy to report i was dry for the entire almost two hours outside when the rain was coming down and and being next to the ocean on the sand on christmas day 
in this weird, wacky year was just just so wonderful. I, I can't put words to how good it felt to be out mm. there and how pleasant it was. That's neat. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we haven't been selling advertising, but, you know, we might need to approach 45 North about sponsoring us. <laughs> That's a good point. Times. I mention them like every single show. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think they've come up nearly every episode. So That's true. Maybe we need to hit them up. I do love the name of them, Not Vend. So yes. uh, for, for everybody playing the home version, uh, it's N-A-U-G-H-T, that not, uh, and V-I-N-D, which would be a... Uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Nordic spelling of wind right yes yeah uh, and, and it works it, it really works against the wind and i you know i gotta say it's really it says something about their standard that they won't call them waterproof but you didn't get wet right yeah it's they, like, they worked cow. and maybe they're saying they're not waterproof because if you were to go take a swim in them you would get wet well of course you would get wet but uh, but yeah, they they were really, really good. Oh, and the bottom of the pants is big enough to fit over big boots. And I wear the 45 North Wolfgar boots. So the biggest, heaviest, most protective boots you, you can get from 45 North. Hmm. They fit right over. My feet stayed warm also and warm and dry the whole time. But I was wearing waterproof socks knowing I was going out on a rainy day. So um, I don't think there was any water in my boots regardless, though. I don't think I needed the waterproof socks. Mm, very cool. It was wonderful. I, now, how about your pick, Patrick? Well, before we get to it, one thing I want to say. So uh, I've got a bunch of friends in Portland where it, it rains <laughs> a pretty fair amount. One of them, uh, Chris Stefano, who used to be with Rafa. And prior to that, he was with Shimano and spent time with Chris King and yeah, done a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, DeStefano was a solid bike commuter in Portland. And I remember being on the phone with him once and him saying, oh, waterproof, uh, you know, rain pants and, you know, waterproof tights. And he's like, I've tried them all. None of them work. None of them. Uh, and I, I would genuinely be curious, you know, to get a pair of those to him and see what he thought of them in the commuting that he does. Uh, that, you know, or if they make something that they claim is more waterproof than those, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not familiar with anything more waterproof from 45 North. <laughs> well, and really, they're not trying that's... to be, I don't think 45 North is trying to be waterproof. They're, right. they're trying to be protective from winter conditions. Well, they do call them a wind pant, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So, which is true. Alrighty. Um, so yeah, uh, in, in keeping with that wet thing, uh, it is monsoon season here in Northern California. We've had rain something like three out of the last six days. So yeah, I'm, I've, I've put my mountain bike away. Uh, I'm not going to be on it for a little bit yet. Cause it's going to take a while. We've got mm -hmm. rain forecast for at least two or three more days this week. So it's going to be a while before trails dry out. Um, <laughs> And I'll say that while I fully acknowledge that riding in the rain builds character, most folks I know would already call me a character. <laughs> uh, you have enough is, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to build, you know, it's like I, I'm, 
I'm as tough as I'm ever going to be. I think that if anything, that may be on the decline. My pick this week is one of my favorite sets of fenders on the market. The race blade pro XL from SKS Germany. These fenders are especially handy because they strap onto the fork and seat stays, making them easy to transfer from one bike to another. So going from a road bike to gravel bike and back, um, you know, they, uh, they're really pretty easy to strap on. And because these are the XL rather than the standard, which is to say, yes, they offer two sizes. They accept bigger tires. SKS claims that they are suited to tires from 25 millimeters in width up to 32 millimeters in width. I mean, honestly, there's no reason why you couldn't use them with 23s, but they do make a smaller uh, fender for that. I can attest that if you are careful in mounting and there's enough frame clearance, they can work with tires as wide as 35 millimeters. Uh, But that's it really, that's a matter of frame clearance more than anything else. one thing I'll say about these is that while they don't offer full coverage like some fenders, they offer more coverage than the average mud flap or seat post mounted fender. That won't make a huge difference to the individual rider's experience using them, <laughs> but for anyone behind them, it will they will be quite grateful for not receiving a face full of nasty spray. Pricing on these varies from as low as $49 online to $65 or REI. Um, I suspect local retailers can probably do better than the 65. So talk to your local bike shop. Uh, Adjustment takes some time, but they're really accommodating. You know, there there are two three millimeter bolts uh, per side. And so, yeah, you can really adjust the angle and the height and whatnot once you've strapped them in place. I just... They are the bomb. Um, yep. My absolute favorite fenders going. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've sold SKS fenders for years and have always liked them a lot. I personally, I use the SKS longboard fenders, which mm-hmm. bolt onto the frame on my road bike. And I get multiple compliments on group rides that my my wheel is the one people want to be on because they're not getting people sprayed. Fighting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They're all fighting for your rear wheel. <laughs> right. So as a smart retailer, I sell these to other people that I want to ride their wheel <laughs> and it works. It works great. Yeah. And then in the, the clip ons, these that you're talking about are also really good. So for, for the bikes that don't take a, a bolt on, uh, we've had really good experiences with all the SKS line offenders. That's very good cool. suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps your psychological well-being. When you're not getting sprayed by water, it oh. makes a big difference. And it also makes your bike clean up a lot better at the end of your ride. That also <laughs> helps your psychological well-being. So so fenders are yeah. good in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate that whole thing where I hang the bike up in the garage and go upstairs and come back down two days later and the chain's red. <laughs> oh, that's never happened I've to me. I've never done that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the good news is you haven't ruined your bike if you've done that. Just throw on some good lube, clean a chain off, and get going. Yeah, yeah. I, I more recently I began to get a little smarter and like uh, run some lube on the chain just before I hang it up. Yes, that's great. It, it makes a little bit of a difference, but not. <laughs> yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah, it helps a lot. Yep, does something handy. Yeah. Alrighty, everybody. That's another wrap on an episode of the Pace Line. Uh, 
keep those questions coming. You know, we'll be getting back to listener questions soon. You all, you send great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Patria Vandermark. Thanks for listening to The Paceline.